knock. Hi. Welcome to Knock Knock High. I am Will Flannery, also known as Dr. Glockenflecken. I am Kristen Flannery, also known as Lady Glockenflecken. Wait, I think you have a better name. Lady, well, I, lady it's, yeah. it's, it, oh, it sounds say, like regal. It's royalty, right? Yeah, well, you know, subpar royalty, but I, sure. Yeah, I don't know. You know, honestly, if I knew it would like turn into something, I probably would have chosen mm-hmm. an easier name to sure. say. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then it might not be as unique. You know, yeah. people people actually know. think my name is Dr. Glockenflecken. I know, which is, um, you know, embarrassing for me. So thank you. <laughs> For that it's fine you know you don't have to legally change your name although if you wanted to i'd be okay with it i don't think i'll be doing that okay. no all right well um, we have a fantastic show today we do um we're going to be talking about cancer and uh um and oncology we're going to talk about some a, a few heavy things you know uh because cancer a lot of times is a little bit heavier sure. um but we're also doesn't gonna... always come with the outcome you hope for so we'll we'll get into that a little bit but we're also gonna have some fun too and um and i you know in in prepping and preparing for this episode and and our guest today um it really got me thinking about our own experiences with cancer Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, i have a history of cancer twice and the first time i was diagnosed what year was it uh 2013 2013 i was in uh med school i was in my third uh actually my fourth year of med school yeah Mm -hmm. And I woke up one morning and I felt a lump in my testicle. And, um, and I, I was just a fourth year med student, so I didn't, I didn't know a lot, uh, but I did know that my testicle wasn't supposed to divide. Sure. Like, they don't do that. Yeah, it's I, not like you're having identical twins in there. Right. I, you, you don't, your testicle doesn't, for those of you who may not be aware, your testicle does not try to grow another testicle. That if that ever happens... All right, please seek medical care, which I did. I, I felt it, although it did take me a few days. You may not know this, but I, I, I didn't, I felt it a f- like days earlier. No, yeah, you didn't tell I, me that. And I tried to ignore it. Because maybe it'll just go away. Because maybe it's it wasn't real or maybe, you yeah. know, it's like you're my, I was just trying to convince myself that right. everything was fine. Because sometimes bodies can be lumpy. Bodies can be lumpy uh, and just not really there. That that area you don't want sure. lumpiness really. Uh, there's a few areas you don't want lumpiness. Uh, your organs being one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and so eventually though I like after several days of feeling my own testicles, um, f- which men are prone to do from time to time. Um, I, I I convinced myself it's like okay. This is not right. Right. And so I went in and. And it was like Christmas time, right? Like we were at my yeah, parents' house visiting right. for Christmas when, when you discovered this. And that's right. Then when we got when home, we got, that's, that's you what let it me was. know. Yeah. And then I went into employee health and I got an ultrasound. Uh, well, I, really, they, they felt it like, oh, yep, this is this is a thing. This is something. And, yeah. uh, and so they sent me over to radiology. I got an ultrasound, very quickly diagnosed. Mm-hmm with cancer. And it was a little weird because that was the hospital where you were working as a medical student. So it was like this weird. Yeah. So I basically you know, could just like go on my lunch break mm-hmm. to go get, which honestly, I probably should have just taken the day off. That's, uh, it's, it's kind of a challenging thing to experience. And I, yeah, if you ever are in a situation, dear listener, where you 
may or may not have cancer and you're going to go find out. I feel like just either way, just take that day off. Yeah. Don't try to squeeze it's, that in in between. It's, it's a big emotional emotional thing. And um and I I will say one thing that really impressed me was the radiologist who actually was the one that broke the bad news to me. Mm. Uh and told me and I don't know how much you remember. You may have just you probably were. Oh, I remember, but I think we had yeah. different experiences. On you wouldn't the... expect it, basically, um, for a radiologist to to do such a phenomenal job of of telling someone they have cancer. And so, but the radiologist it was great. He came in and he he sat down and he just was very you know calm and and told me, okay, this is what it is. This is, I mean, it's, this is not a hard thing to diagnose. It was very obvious. And um, and told me what the next steps were and sent me on my way. I had surgery like that day. That day, yeah. That day, the the, the urologist came and talked with me and did surgery. That was the last time I first and last time I ever actually saw the urologist. He just yeah. I don't <laughs> it, remember why we had to do it that day. Was he going on vacation or something, or like what was <laughs> well, so urgent about well, it? Well, I appreciated that though because you know uh, when you have are told you have cancer, you kind of want it out, out of your body. Yeah. And so I was, we were all oh, for yeah, it. No it was like, let's just... let's just get this done. They uh, they took my testicle out. I couldn't use my ab muscles for a while after mm -hmm. that. That was you had yeah, to wait on me. You were like a turtle on its shell, I... <laughs> just. <laughs> I was turtled. You were yes. turtled, and uh, on pain medicine, and um, because the incision is kind of right in your the crease of your leg, kind of right in your inguinal yeah, area, which I was not expecting. Which, As a non-medical, yes, yeah, so, right. So, man. so it was. You thought they just went right through the scrotum. Yeah, I mean, you're unconscious. That would be you don't need them anymore. Painful, <laughs> and probably high risk for infection. I think that's why probably, they don't do that's that. That's not a great spot. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and but that's no weirder than come on than like making an incision in your lower abdomen and then just what like sucking them out. Well, they kind of yeah, they kind of just pull it out <laughs> through the. Yeah, it does make that sound actually. I thought um, so. That's that's uh thank you for that. You're welcome. That's that's now that's what I'll think about every <laughs> time I I talk about my cancer is the <laughs> sucking and popping. <laughs> uh, we'll have to next time we have a urologist on. Yeah. Let's let's ask him yep. about that. Let, Very what kind question. of popping sound does mm -hmm. it make whenever you pull the testicle out? I am curious. The incision. Um I would like to know. Anyway, this is getting off the rails. So that was that was the uh, first cancer. We'll save the yeah. second one for another time. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was there's a there's a lot there. Anyway, um, but you know, so I was I was thinking about this and 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 you know, in preparing for our guest who is Dr. Don Dizon. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a, just an incredible guy, Dr. Don. He's one of those people that makes you feel like you've done nothing with your life. Yeah. So, like, yeah. listen. So, he's a professor of medicine and professor of surgery at Brown University. You may have heard of it. Yeah, that's right. Director of the Pelvic Malignancies Program at Lifespan Cancer Institute. Associate Director of Community Outreach and Engagement at Legareta Legareta Cancer Center at Brown University. Director of Medical Oncology at Rhode Island Hospital and Vice Chair of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Engagement at SWOG. Swag, they call it swag. I don't, I don't know. know. Cancer Clinical Trials Network. Wow, you gotta like take a deep breath. Very, very accomplished. Uh, it was uh, just a pleasure to 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 speak with him, and uh, I I'm just real happy with kind of um, you know getting to hear his insight 
especially as a as a cancer patient, as a cancer survivor, and as someone who went through it mm-hmm. every step of the way with me, yes. um, it was really wonderful to hear his perspective. So yeah, oncologists are are generally nice people. I think like they they yes they just care about people. Very empathetic. For the most part, I'd say I learned some things, even though I don't deal with a lot of cancer. Really, no cancer. Although you can't get cancer in the eye. Yeah, and then you you'd probably just refer them away from you, right? I do. That's yeah. a scary thing, and I, I'm a comprehensive ophthalmologist, so I have, we have subspecialists for that, which is good. But um, yep. So let's let's get to it, huh? Yeah, and uh, just to you know, if it's if talking about um, cancer, you know, death and dying yeah. or cancer is not for you, maybe just skip this one or skip to the end to the to the games, and I think that'll still be safe listening. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's do it. Do Here it. we go, Doctor Dizon. Well, Don, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to talk with you. I've seen you all on social media, and um, uh, and I know that you are uh, at Brown. Is that right? Yes, so that's right. In, I'm at Brown in, in Rhode Island. So, yes. uh, how is it out there? You know, it's it. You know, it fluctuates between sixty degrees and thirty degrees, and you wake up either gotcha. with frost on the windows, but we still have not had any snow. And well, I should okay. just say. Big fan. Really honored to be oh, here. Oh, well, big, thank big you fan so much. Of you both. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she, she takes, I, I, I take a lot of the credit for, for uh, but, uh, you know, she really does most of the work. So I know that you're you're kind of a, a big deal at Brown. Uh, you're a professor of medicine uh, and um, you are the director of the uh, pelvic malignancies program, right? So you're. I'm also a professor um, of surgery. You're a professor of surgery. Okay, tell me about all the surgery. What an overachiever! <laughs> no, so I I'm the one that sits in multidisciplinary meetings, telling people they should be operating. Oh, gotcha. All right. Do you have a good relationship, working relationship with the with the surgeons? I do. I do. In fact, I think. Um, I was trained in medical oncology. I was trained through medicine, but I, uh, they they gave me the appointment in surgery because um, I help a lot of their residents and their fellows with projects. Um, yeah. So really supervise a lot of teaching, uh, do do a ton of mentoring uh, around research. And so it was now, kind of you, a nice thing. Were you always kind of set on oncology? Like when did you make that decision? Like you wanted to go the internal medicine route? Um, it, well, that's interesting. I actually went into internal medicine by default because I ended medical school not knowing what I wanted to do. I went yeah, into medical school Yeah, that's like the catch-all specialty, right? Internal medicine. Do a lot, really you can do is. a lot of different things from yeah, it. Yeah, it's like the undecided major in college. <laughs> well, there, you know, but there is an undecided thing you could do. It's called a transitional year. Um, you know, then you I did one of those. Medicine. You did that. See? see? Yeah. So I did one of those. I, I should have done that. But um, you know, I I went into medical school thinking I was gonna I was gonna be a pediatric cardiologist. Then I did third year of med school th- and concluded I could not stand pediatrics. And then I did <laughs> obstetrics and gynecology. And one of the most incredible surgeries I sat through was an was an ovarian cancer, um, uh, satoreductive surgery or debulking surgery. And it was oh wow. I, I still remember the surgeon was as short as I am, and so she was on she was on uh, a, you know an elevated platform, and we couldn't see the abdomen internally or into the pelvis because of this huge mass. It was the size of like a basketball, and oh. she. Just, I thought you were going to say because you were so short, even with no, the I could see. platform. That's where I thought that <laughs> was going. 
They, now, the, the people in the OR, thing, they're good about putting 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 you on a stool, like a well, step stool thing, right? Yeah. They have those in the OR. Yeah, and especially if, if you you're the it. attending surgeon and you're short, they're sure. going to do everything they can. So That's you can right. Do it. But, you know, she and the fellow were talking and she just kind of reached in blindly and sort of found the stock of this thing. Hmm. And the fellow was just saying, you know, I was like, what are you doing? And she was just like looking at him. And she, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm just standing there. It's like, I don't know what she's doing. And then you heard this rip. Oh. And oh she gosh. literally ripped it out of the abdomen. And then they got in there and cautery and they're trying to yeah, prevent yeah. the bleeding. And, the, and it literally took like half an hour. But at the end of it, it was this the most beautiful surgical field I've ever seen. The female pelvis was the most beautiful surgical field. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I did my obstetrics rotation. It got kicked out of every single room that a pregnant woman was delivering in. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, I can't do four years of uh, this. So, yeah. So yeah. then I went through things and I was like, you know, at the end, I was not sure. So, yeah. By default, I went into to medicine. But but you, it sounds like you had a good time in the in the operating room there. I did. So yeah. Did you, yeah. you, did, did you ever even think about going the surgical route, surgical oncology? You know, only one other time, and it was when I was already an attending in oncology. I moved up to Providence from Sloan Kettering mm -hmm. um, the first time I was at Brown, because I've been here twice, but the first time I was at Brown, and I turned to this, um, the guy who hired me at what's called the Program in Women's Oncology, and he was a very forward-thinking person. He, you know, offered obstetric obstetricians training in breast surgery. You know, mm -hmm. where typically it's it's a field limited to general surgeons. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went to him and I was like, you know what? Why don't you why don't you train me in gynoc? I know I didn't do any OB, but you know I could do gynoc. I know the field. I know the anatomy. And he laughed in my face and said, Yeah, okay, and walked away. So that was <laughs> oh the only God. other time I thought about okay. doing the surgery. <laughs> what I'm noticing is you're very man. persistent. You don't <laughs> give up easily. That's true. Well, you know, it's it's just, it, I still, you know, you talk about those moments in medical school and it really was one of those things. It solidified the, the notion that I wanted to do oncology. And it also solidified the notion that I actually wanted to do um, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, cervix cancer. And well, that's what I call sort of the pelvic malignancies. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that stuck. I also had a, um, a surgical experience in my obstetrics gynecology rotation uh, during an emergency C-section, and it was the more, most blood I had ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so uh, shortly after that, I decided I wanted to do ophthalmology, um, <laughs> where, where we, uh, I, I, it's been, I think, five years since I've had any blood loss. In, yeah. one, in my search. So, you know, it's, it, those things do shape us, right? It's, uh, um, they but it sounds, absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes is like one experience or one interaction with yeah. somebody in med school that, that just pushes you in a particular direction. It's, it's really kind of remarkable because you can go in so many different directions, you know? Yeah, you can. I mean, I remember doing my ophthalmology elective and thinking you did an ophthalmology elective wow I'm so I glad you brought that up i told you i i did <laughs> i i looked i thought i was going to do neurosurgery for a bit then i thought psychiatry then i was like maybe ophthalmology but this surgery is so precise and it's like the field is so small it's tiny it's like yeah and he's I, such a big guy, doesn't? Isn't that weird? <laughs> like, I, you know, you you can teach anybody to do it. Yeah, it, it's it's. It, it, how do you get the long fingers around those tiny little? 
I think I it's know. more, it's like, if you even have the littlest tremor, you could like take yeah. some dye out, literally take yeah. some dye out. So yeah, you do have a very steady hand. So I, I didn't have a steady hand. That's it. That's, I don't have gotcha. that. Well, you still get to call the shots though, as a, as a medical oncologist, like, yeah. you know, you're, you're really, you're, you're guiding the team as someone who's had, I've had several medical oncologists in yeah. my, in my life with my testicular cancer uh, diagnosis and treatment. And uh, um, you're my favorite type of doctor. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's uh, nice because, to hear. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's. Um, and a little later on, we'll talk about kind of the interactions, you know, sometimes that you have with uh, breaking bad news and things. But um, sure. it's really you do some uh, just just guiding your patients through just this very traumatic, difficult thing, uh, in, in their lives is, uh, it's really remarkable kind of what you can do. So, yeah, you know, it's a longitudinal, it's sort of like this primary care thing, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, uh, just a far more stressful longitudinal relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 One of our big, you know, things that we care about is humanity in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And I think, oncologists really are, you know, better at that than most, whether by mm -hmm. nature or training and just having to do that all the time. I a don't know. But, of both. Yeah, yeah. But do you have to, to really be able to tap into people's whole lives, not mm -hmm. just their cancer, but understand how this affects the rest of their life as well? Yeah. I think it's self-selective actually. You know, there, mm -hmm. there are those, I remember being in residency and declaring that I wanted to do oncology and folks were like, why would you do that? It's so depressing. Mm -hmm. Everybody dies. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they were going off in GN. I was like, I can't imagine anything more disgusting than having to look at people's mouths and, you know, <laughs> taking a look at what they're defecating. I was like, just couldn't. I just couldn't do it, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I think it's also Lex. There's the same thing with, with eyeballs. Some yeah, people eyeballs can't, cannot do eyeballs. So gross. And, uh, <laughs> and for, it doesn't bother me. But uh, I'm sure you, you have some tales for us from the world of oncology. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think. The thing that I try to do using social media is sort of humanize the field, which is what I, I, I love about what you both do, because I think still people come into uh, to see a, a cancer doc and it's one of the most scary things in the world. Mm -hmm. What's what's fascinating is that everybody looks everybody up now. So oh, yeah. um, it is not atypical for me to walk in and have um, someone seeing me for their cancer and multiple people in the room. And it turns out one of those persons has found me on Twitter or seen a TikTok. And just the level of comfort that they have because they feel like they know me, it's, it's a totally different spin on that. But, you know, because I realize oncology is a very scary thing, my approach has always been to, you know, just say off the bat, if I think something's true, I'm going to tell you what that is. And most often than not, I can walk into someone's room and it's like, tell me about your cancer. What do you know? And then they tell me, and I was like, okay, here's my bottom line for you today. You are not dying. And I say that to everybody, no matter what their stage is, if I feel like they have time, then yeah. I tell you, you're not dying. And, you know, just the level of, of relief that comes off and then they're actually ready to listen. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. think that's really, really important. But, yes, you know, I, I almost, you know, look at the practice of oncology, like, being in this crazy, you know, acting world, you know, because you go into each room and you have to be that person for that circumstance, for that situation. Yeah. And I think that's why so many of us um, feel burnt out after many, many years of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it definitely, all those, um, the gravity of the situations that we, you know, find ourselves in, um, more you, I, you know, most people aren't, uh, don't have a risk of, you know, life or death, life or death in the ophthalmology department. Um, but, uh, still it, it does over time, you know, it can be, it can really weigh on you. And, yeah, it's um, a lot of emotional labor. But go, and going back to, 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 um, having patients recognize you. Cause that's, people ask me that a lot. Like, do, do your patients recognize, they always seem to think that, you know, it, it wouldn't be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's, it's, it just fast tracks that patient relationship so much because they feel like they already know you, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that the comfort that you have. And I've only had positive reactions from patients mm-hmm. who have seen my content on social media. Like, it's always like, they love it. They like it. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I'm sure you probably have, have noticed the same thing. They, they enjoy seeing that side of you. Yeah, you know? you know, and it's both, you know, current patients as well as former patients. Some people I haven't seen in years will comment on a video. It's like, oh, my God, how are you? You know, they won't divulge their diagnosis or sometimes they do. But, you know, I I, I have this tendency and I think it's actually one of the things that that kind of defines a physician in, in, in what we do. I remember people, mm-hmm. you know, I remember names. I remember people we, that I've treated in the past. And when that, one of those names actually shows up on social media, it's, it's always cool. Yeah. You know? Right. But yeah, yeah I think people develop a bond too with their oncologist. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's, um, you know, a lot, it is, like you said, a longitudinal relationship. And so, mm-hmm. Um, then when you're, you're done seeing the oncologist, that relationship just ends, but to be yeah. able to, um, you know, there's a little bit of trauma bonding, I think happening. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of nice to be able to keep in touch. And I think people really want authenticity these days. And so having them come in and recognize you from TikTok and other places, you know, I think that just helps, um, contribute to that, that sense of you're, you're a real person, you know, mm-hmm. I already know you a little bit and kind of helps accelerate the, the doctor patient relationship. No, I think you're right. And I think I've never had someone say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want you to be my doctor because of who your social media persona is. I use I it very professionally. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just like, right. I don't like how you did that dance interpretation. So listen, if, if people are okay else. with the stuff I do on social media, <laughs> like, like, yeah. trust me, Sky's the limit. you could do anything you want. Uh, you're not, you know, trying to pretend you're, you're a thousand different specialties. So, right. Right. I mean, and I, but, but I think that's like, you know, those of us who are in the space, we kind of have to decide for ourselves what we're going to do with that persona, you know, mm-hmm. and some will go directly into sort of, um, you know, making fun of themselves, knowing that they're making fun of themselves. Some people yeah. will adopt humor. Some people will adopt, you know, my big shtick is, you know, I, you know, like, I like fashion and I like medicine. So I'm trying to combine them both in a, in a, in a very unusual way, you know. But I have noticed I that, just by have the to way, decide that. you yeah. are, you are quite fashionable and I'm getting a, 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 a theme with some of the guests that we've had and is that I am a, not a, on the low end of the stylish yeah. scale. I need to up my game for the um, listeners. He's here in a t-shirt and a hoodie and yeah, sweatpants. That's, <laughs> you know, you can't see my sweatpants, but thank you for, for informing the audience. Anyway, I'm, I'm very impressed by how, how well you are dressed and all the videos that I've seen on social media. It's, it's, uh, it's really impressive. I'm very but, much um, into neckwear. 
That's good. <laughs> yes, it's a lovely scarf. Yeah, I've seen scarf. some very, yeah. uh, very fancy. It's nice, the way right? you tie. Yeah, Quite great. And then some of the ties that you've tied. I don't even know how yeah. you do those knots that you do sometimes on your videos. Anyway, you could have a whole other TikTok channel. Yeah, like that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> how about a how about a podcast uh, yourself on on you know how to do all well, these? Well, see, that's it. It's hard that because do. like podcasts, you don't have the visual. And I, you know, that's it's right. Like, what that's am I right. supposed that's to right. get podcast dressed? Podcast That'd be hard. Just gonna get dressed. That's right. Well, tell me, do you what what kind of uh, stories uh, do you have from from your life as an oncologist? Well, you know, I think one of the I actually um, did a TikTok about it, but most recently I've had a couple of people not do well for their for their cancers, and I tell someone, you know, at the very beginning as well, it's like you know, I'll walk you through this whole process, whatever happens, and I promise to be honest with you. And you know, a couple of folks have come by, and you know, we've had to say, you know, I don't think you have long. I think we should stop therapy, you know, and then they've been admitted to the hospital and then they make the request to see me. Mm -hmm. And as much as I really feel, I do give a lot, you know, to my practice because I take it very seriously. At the end of the day, when you're done seeing 25 patients in an oncology clinic and your clinic was supposed to end at three and you're still there at 630 doing notes and administrative and stuff because everything ran long. You just want to get out. And so I've struggled with this notion. It's like, I just want to leave. But someone has requested to see me in the hospital and just playing with that dilemma and me just sort of, I could just go. And it's like, but they yeah. want me to see them. And feeling like I, if I didn't see them, I would regret that for the rest of my life. And then having to go up and see them and just really meeting with them for that very last time. It's so profound. And I struggled with what to say, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for this particular person, and the thing that I've learned about oncology, closure is one thing that's really important for me. So I'll actually mm -hmm. say, you know, thank you for letting me in your life and letting me be your doctor. And I have learned from you and I'm, I'm going to miss you, you know, and, and then say, I'm sorry. And then, you know, just with that, I feel like we both benefited from it. So, you know, I think that's, yeah. that's, that's something that I've been thinking about and, and have been going through quite a bit with recently. What, what is the, in the moment, what is the patient's reaction when you say that? I th you know, one of them is relief just to see that I actually came, that the request has been actually honored. But when I say that, it's just, it's profoundly sad. You know, because they, I think, you know, you know, well, there's this whole thing about the, the sort of the war mentality, you know, in oncology, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. you're losing, you've lost, you're giving up, da, 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 right. you know, and when I say, you know, thank you and goodbye and I'm sorry and all this stuff, it's, it's always, you know, they, they tend to say the same thing. It's like, we tried, didn't we? Mm. We tried. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm always like, we did. And you did not give up. Right. You know, and you are not giving up, you know, and so I think there is a sense of defeat that people have at the end of their lives, mm -hmm. which I, I try very hard for them not to not to accept that as what's happened. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying you didn't, you're not defeated, turn that frown upside down. You. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not that. <laughs> it's just saying, you know, you, you, you tried and you did everything that I ever asked you to do. Yeah. And you, you, you are strong and I'm so glad I met you, you know? Yeah. What a fan, just a great message to, to give to someone, you know, in that moment. 
Yeah. And just like acknowledging and, and even more than acknowledging, but honoring the difficult parts and the sad parts of life, because that's part of being human as well. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have to say though, it's like, I always walk out of those situations and I'm not sure if I said the right thing, Mm -hmm. you know, even as I'm talking to you about it, it's like, I'm not sure if I said the right thing, you know, but the other thing that I think is really interesting, I do something in clinic too, when I have to talk about news and you know people oftentimes even if you say you're not dying it's like how long do i have how long mm-hmm. you know so depending on the scenario i go you have months or i say you have years mm-hmm. but if i said to you both it's like you have months what do you what do you both what do you hear a number when i say that i hear less than a year uh-huh. i hear like maybe six months to a year is what i hear yeah mm-hmm. So, maybe less, maybe less. Maybe less, that. but yeah. then it then that starts to get into like weeks for me. So Months I think I think sense. I think we know Krista would overanalyze it. I would. <laughs> well, you know, I I, I, I would once, make you give me an actual number, probably. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, I remember once I had to tell this family that their mom had months, just months, mm-hmm. and she was very sick, and they all panicked, and they all just started, you know, just crying hysterically oh my god she only has three months can't believe you're telling me she has three months and i was like i stopped them i was like i actually didn't say three months oh interesting <laughs> I said oh. months, hmm. but i think everybody hears a number yeah, yeah. They hear it, yeah you know and i've you know it's just fascinating to me what they hear i wonder if there's any correlation between what they hear and how long the person actually ends up living. I know there's no way to answer that, but like, are they picking up on some, you know, subtle <laughs> cues about their loved one's health, like changes in their behavior or their, you know, how their body looks or whatever. Uh, I, I wonder if there's anything to that or if it's just you know, random. Like, you know, the randomness I'm, I'm really curious about is whether or not there's a, there's an average number. You know how they say, you mm-hmm. know, you have all these marbles in a jar and you ask like a hundred people to guess how many marbles. So the average is really close. Right. To what it is. Obviously, it's a skill to learn how to to talk with people. And uh, I think you briefly shared a story with me over email about you know you were you were tasked with uh, in a in a um, what kind of a situation? It wasn't a real situation, yes. right? It was like uh, you were practicing how to well, how no, to deliver was... news about a scan. Go ahead and tell that. Well, no, they, it, it was it was wild. It was an an advisory meeting in San Francisco. And as part of it, they were like, hey, would you mind if we took uh, photographs of you? And I was like, sure, you know, what do you, what do you want me to send? They're like, actually, we were hoping for some, you know, kind of action shots. I was like, okay, so I'm an oncologist. Oh, I'm not sure what you mean by action shots. <laughs> I was like, no, there's no actions. They're like, oh, we were thinking, you know, why don't you pretend you're talking on the phone? And we'll just take pictures of you while you do that. I was like, okay, so you want to order pizza? You want me to do? It's like... Just pretend you're giving someone bad, you know, some news, like really alarming news. So I'm, I'm getting on this phone and I was like, I was like, all right, so this is fine. I was like, hi, can I speak with so-and-so? I was like, yeah, um, I, I hate doing it like this, but um, I do want to review your scans if that's okay. And, you know, I was like, so the scan shows your cancer's back and it doesn't look like we can do surgery. And I just started with this and I was like, you know, it's like, oh, oh no. no, it's, you know, please don't cry. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about it more. I just needed you to have, I wanted you to be aware before you saw this thing. And this entire time I'm looking at this woman and they're taking pictures of me, but this woman is like 
so into this that she starts to cry. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, oh, you know no. there's no one on the phone, right? I'm not actually <laughs> like, giving this is not bad real. news. Wow. You know that. But it was it is just You must be not. a very convincing actor. Okay. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> you know, that's incredible. I, guess I, I mean I can get into the role if you want me to, but you know, it's like yeah. I can also yeah. you know, say twinkle, twinkle little star on the phone, so you can just take pictures and say that too. <laughs> As someone who's, uh, you know, every now and then I will have fake conversations with people while I'm filming a TikTok. And it's, it's every now and then, every, every, every night. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not as easy as it looks to like have a fake conversation on the phone because there's a, you know, there, 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 there are tells, there are ways you can tell like, oh, this is clearly not a real conversation. So mm -hmm. that speaks to your acting prowess right there. That's, that's fantastic. You, man. It's uh you you gotta to how did it turn out? Did everything go okay? You know, I yeah, don't think did they survive. Did, did the person on the phone survive? The person on the Were phone you? totally fine. Laughed through the whole thing. Oh, good. <laughs> well, how did, did the photos come out good? Did, you they, know, did I they think turn they were out okay. well? I, I think I maybe saw two of them. I don't even know if they even used them. Honestly, it was like <laughs> I did this thing, and then the pandemic hit. So, oh, gotcha. You know, everything. Are, are you? Are you the poster the poster boy for uh for your oncology department? Like, are you no. whenever you go to the website, are there pictures of you in these action poses? No, you know? no, there's no. not. You're, there you're... are not. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you I'm a go... background guy. Oh, gotcha. Background, you know. But it, it's nice um, for me to you know travel places and and let it let let everyone know that we exist as a cancer center. You know, it's yeah. like. Mm -hmm. You think cancer centers, you're thinking of the big ones, you know, you see USCSF, you know, you're thinking Sloan Kettering and, you know, so it's nice for me to say, hi, I'm from Brown's, Brown's program, Lego Rabbit Cancer Center or Lifespan Cancer Institute and people are like, lifespan, what's <laughs> lifespan? I was like, Brown, Providence. Yep. Right. Yep. I mean, you must <laughs> be, is that these, the like, only, is it the only cancer, is it the only cancer center in, in Rhode Island? Pretty much. No, it... actually, it's, you know, I was mentioning that I was here before. So my first job out of when I left New York City was at something called the Program in Women's Oncology at Women and Infants Hospital of Rhode Island, which is a really good program specific oh, gotcha. to breast and gynecological cancers. I left there and went to Mass General for a bit and then was recruited back to Lifespan Cancer Institute, which is the bigger general medical oncology and hematology program. And you've yeah. been there for now how many years? Gosh, five years. <clears throat> okay. Five years. Yeah. We're doing fantastic work. Let's take a break. We're gonna take a break, sure. and then we're gonna come back, and we're gonna we're gonna get some hands-on uh, oncology uh, breaking bad news uh, training. This is gonna mm. be great. All right. So we'll be right back with Dr. Dizon. A big thank you to all of our listeners. This is a new show. Where just spread the love, share with everyone you know, leave a rating and a review. Be honest. Like, tell us what you think. Yeah, we want to hear the feedback. We want to hear that. We want to improve. We want to. We want to uh, have a, a a podcast that you all love uh, as much as we love it. Uh, and later on, we're going to share some stories, uh, your own medical stories from listeners. Uh, you can share yours. Knock knock. Hi at human contentcom we also have a Patreon. Come hang out with other members of the Knock Knock High community. And us. Uh, and we us. We are over there. Yeah, we are there. Uh, early episode access, uh, bonus episodes, including this a whole new show. 
we're, we're doing a, the, the monthly eye exam. We're going to react to uh, um, uh, uh, medical, medical TV. TV shows, movie TV? clips. So check it out. All right, let's get back with Dr. Dizon. Okay, we're back with Don Dizon, and um, we're going to, you know, something that uh, Dr. Dizon here is is better equipped than like the 99% of the population out there is uh, Breaking Bad News. We've talked a little bit about Breaking Bad News already, and, um, uh, and so what I thought we could do now is uh, I want you to give us your like three minutes approach to to that interaction so you're you're telling someone something that they don't want to hear what is your approach and then what we're going to do is uh Kristen and i are going to break some bad news to each other that we have not told each other about so it's going to be uh we have no idea i have no idea what kind of bad news she's going to give me uh she has no idea what kind of bad news i'm going to give her and um and then we're going to have don uh critique us and give us some tips and tell us how we did so don i'm going to leave it up to you so go ahead and uh give us give us your few minute approach to how you do this so i i think that the first thing is always to ensure that you and the person you're you're talking to are at eye level you know and you want to sort of equalize it physically as much as possible. So I'm always like, you know, I'm sitting down if they're sitting down. I'm never standing, although I'm not that tall. I'm never standing if they're seated. If they're lying down, I, you know, I try to get them to sit up so that, you know, you have that eye level. The second is not to look away from people when you're having to give bad news. Holding eye contact is a very difficult thing for a lot of us, especially when we're the ones uncomfortable. But I think it's really critical because you can really tell what people are based on their their eyes. You know, the, you know, I proverbial window to the soul, but I can tell if someone is absorbing what I'm telling them, if they're freaking out or if they're about to just fall apart, I can tell. Mm-hmm. And by looking at their eyes, you can also then set your tone and also your delivery. So one of the things that I always, you know, I use, it's, it's, it's something I use quite a bit. I use little breaks. So I'm quiet for a bit. I don't ramble on and go bad news, but here's the plan. And then this is outcome. And then I'll see it. No, it's sort of like you deliver, deliver things and you're watching them. They'll tell you when they're ready. So, so much of it is the interaction as much as it is about the news. The final thing I would say is I don't speak in platitudes, you know, because I think platitudes can lead people to become more confused than not. Sort of if they're reading their CAT scan and saying consistent with recurrence or suggestive of, you know, of cancer or, you know, um, you know, all of these other words. If I think it's cancer, I'll tell you. So it's like your cancer's back, you know? And I don't say, you know, things like, you know, you know a toxic positive comment. It's like, it could be worse. You know, that's not something I'll say. Yeah. And I'll right. say, you know, these are your options currently rather than, you know, we can do millions of things for this. You know, really trying to provide specificity as much as possible. And in the worst case scenario, I think someone's going to be, someone is looking at their last few months of life. And this is always very difficult. I, I, in oncology, especially, I will use the phrase, with or without therapy, you're going to live as long. 
Mm. Yeah, because sometimes people's I need treatment because I want to control mm-hmm. these things, right. which yeah. means I'm going to live longer. At some point after 13, 14, 15 trials of therapy, if it's just working, I'll say, you know, you only have months and with or without therapy, you'll live as long. And that's a very difficult line to deliver to somebody, but yeah. it helps them put in perspective how they want to live the rest of their lives. And that's the right. important mm-hmm. thing. It's like, I might think if it's me, I would want to know if I'm at my six month mark, cause I'm gonna, I'm getting out of here. I'm taking my family. I'm going to the Caribbean. I'm going to die yeah. on the beach where I'm going to be happy. But other people are like, I will die in an ICU on a vent with chemo dripping into my body. That's how I want to mm-hmm. die. I want to die trying. And who's to say who's wrong? Right. How do you, what's the first thing you say? When you when you go, you get eye level. Your your position. You're in the right setting. Mm-hmm. What's I mean, do you have like something? What's your icebreaker? Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually going to sound really corny, but honestly, in that situation, sitting down, getting eye level, looking at them, I actually start with, "How are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you That's doing? Yeah. You know, and what's them? Like, gonna see yeah. where they're at, right? Yeah. Then yeah. they'll say it's like. I'm okay, just I'm terrified of just what you're going to say next. It's like, what did the scan show? You know, they'll tell you where their mind is. No no one's going to hear that question. How are you doing? Oh, great. I went to the, you know, market. And now, you know, I'm going to be chicken. <laughs> right. again. That's not that. Because oftentimes yeah, yeah. If it's, it's never a surprise if we have to deliver yeah. scans. Yeah. 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 Well, I think also when the oncologist walks in through the door and gets eye level with you, and I think you, you get a sense what's coming, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not, you kind of, I, I imagine patients are bracing themselves a little bit for, yeah. for what's coming next. So most of the time they are, All right. they well, are bracing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe sometimes it's a surprise and that's probably even harder. You know? Well, I mean, it's a, I think it's human nature um, to, to, to be hopeful, you know, to say it's not going to yeah. be bad or it's not going to be that bad or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hear this and that today. Um, I think we just, we want to have hope. And so my job is no matter what the news is that they leave the office with hope. Mm. And that's my objective. Yeah. That's, that's super good. important. Well, okay. So we, we got to get, let's do a quick recap here. Okay. We, you get eye level. Okay. You maintain eye contact. Yeah. Uh, you, Break you the just ice. tell it like it is. Yeah, avoid oh, platitudes. Yes. First, first, break the ice. Ask them how they're doing. Yeah. Avoid the platitudes. Uh, what are we missing? And just be empathetic. Yeah. You, be empathetic with me when you're giving me some bad yeah. news. That's going to be hard for you. All right. Let's. I, I have plenty of empathy to give. All right. So. <laughs> all right. You're gonna, do you think we're ready, Doctor Dizon? I, I think, I think, I think, I think you're both ready. ready. Okay. Let's do it. All right. All right. Okay. So you're going to go first here. Okay. I'm going first. Yep. I'm going to deliver some. You're going to deliver some bad news to me. I have to, see, but what if you have to where, go up where to I, get onto uh, eye level? Hey, you know what? I'll go down. We are. We there's like a a, a foot, foot difference, foot difference know, between us. You guys us, are so as we're, eye level as I can be. Good. I mean, literally, I'm a yeah. very short person. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, we're good. Okay, good. Me too. <laughs> All right. Okay. How are you today? Is touch allowed? Can you Absolutely. touch them? What if you're married to them? Is it okay then? Can oh, you assume consent? Like a little it's... little touch on the shoulder or the yes, the shoulder. Yeah, somewhere that's good above yeah. board. Okay, um, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing I'm doing fine. 
thank you. Okay. Uh, you know, a little stressed. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. What are you What are you stressed about? Oh, you know, I just uh, I'm I'm hoping that we're still married after this conversation. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I can. See I don't know what you're going to tell where me. Where you would think that? Um, okay. Well, just before I I. Uh-huh. Explain to you what I know. Can you tell me just what is your understanding of how funny you are? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like I'm reasonably funny. I reasonably I, so on a on a funny scale of one to ten. Um, where do you I, think I, you would be? I don't know, a, a seven, seven and, and a half. Does that change day by day, or is I that feel I feel like study? I'm I have a lot of people that think I'm I'm quite funny on social media, mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like I I'm probably you know in the top you know. 10% of funny people. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm just going to come right out and tell you I am funnier than you. What? Yes, I'm funnier than you are. Um, and I also, I don't find you that funny anymore. I'm just being honest. I know this is hard to hear. How, what are the chances that I'm, that you're not funnier than me? Oh, um, slim to none. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty conclusive finding. Well, um, not sure how to what can, to say about this. You can just take this. a minute and let that sink in. Take all the time you need. That you're funnier than me. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything I can do? <laughs> um, <laughs> you can. Um, you could really try. You know, getting better jokes. I feel like they're getting kind of stale. Okay. At this point, I mean, I've I've known you very well for 16 years now. Yeah, I kind of have heard them all, and even when it's new, it's like just old, recycled again. So harsh, harsh, but I I appreciate um, you being so upfront with me You're about welcome. this. You're welcome. Um, and I hope most people have stopped listening to this podcast mm-hmm, by this point. Mm-hmm. Well. I don't know. I think okay. they might be agreeing with me. Okay. That was well done. That was good. Okay. Uh, how'd she do, Don? Is you did. You no, know, I think you did pretty good. Really, really nicely. I think a couple of things. You held his eyes. I saw that. He looked away. You looked away. You know. So I think that was really great. You also did oh, something I did. that okay. I didn't tell you to do. Is sort of you let him lead you to the initial conversation. You know. You actually picked up on. You know how he was feeling, a little stress, and then you got into it. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you, you know, the open and direct approach really did help um, with the way you delivered that. So kudos. I, I feel I feel like I'm already on the path to acceptance here. <laughs> well, yes, you've is... had plenty of time to realize <laughs> okay. this particular right. news. Okay, my turn. Okay, my turn. okay. Right. okay. <clears throat> Kristen? Yes. How are you? I'm doing very well today. Yeah? I'm feeling pretty good today. There's okay. good days and bad days, but today's a good day. Yeah, I, it's 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 beautiful out. It's sunny. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, how do you feel about my career choice? Um, well, as an ophthalmologist, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna just come out and say this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be an ophthalmologist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would like to go back to residency <laughs> in mm-hmm. in neurosurgery. Mm-hmm. 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 I just I feel like um, the eyeball is it's so small. Okay. Um, although it it is kind of the leader of the brain, I feel like um, I could really expand to include much more of the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I really think neurosurgery mm-hmm. is the place for me mm-hmm. in medicine. So you see the eye as the um, gateway drug to the Yes, I, I just, I can't deny it anymore. Okay. It's mm-hmm. uh, It's been something I've been thinking about for a while mm-hmm. and it's going to um, involve a significant sacrifice for our family. Mm-hmm. Because, how long is a neurosurgery residency? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, roughly 15 years. And how much do you um, earn an income in that during that time, time yes um it's uh, uh less than what i make now sure sure a lot by a lot uh-huh um we'll have to sell the house okay uh-huh is uh-huh. this where so, will we live instead um i don't know a, a nice a just we got downsized just a little bit uh we'll have to sell the dog too oh okay that's fine <laughs> We can keep the children, though. Okay, good, good. I'm fond of. Do we have to move in with my parents? Yes. Ugh. I'm sorry. Um, is this okay with you? Um. Well, there's a fifty percent chance um, I will not like it and go back to ophthalmology. Mm. Okay. But well, in my in my I, opinion, it's worth the fifteen years of residency training. I hear your bad news. I receive that. Yeah. In turn, I feel like I need to say something as well. So how are you today? I'm fine. Okay. You feeling all right? I'm, I'm good. Okay. Um, I like a weight's been lifted off my chest. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, good. Well, I just wanted to let you know. I don't want to draw this out any further, but I will be leaving you. Oh, okay. And I'm taking the children. We're going to stop this exercise okay. at this point. I, I, I think... <laughs> I don't know, Don. I think uh, I think Kristen probably did better than me. Uh, well, so I, I, I don't feel like I was prepared. I got nervous. I got nervous. I got anxious. And you know what happens? We get anxious. We ramble. We talk. So she barely oh, had did. a question uh, that. Okay. when you were already answering it. So you know that sort of pregnant oh, yeah. pause we talk about. That's Be what okay happens. With that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard to because you know when mm. you become nervous or when you're uncomfortable you just want to get out and the only way you're getting out of that room is if you say what you need to say right so so that's, i think, I think it, was, it was a really interesting thing to see you know because you knew mm-hmm. you knew she wasn't going to take it well and she wasn't taking it well no I no, no i knew she would <laughs> yes yes right. <laughs> right. so so well, it was an interesting God, thing that to was see great yeah, I, I think I think we learned some things for sure. Um, one, I've learned that, that you're scared of me, I, and that I am, and there are no circumstances to change my career choice of in medicine. Well, I'm, certainly I'm not to a neurosurgery this. residency. I think is okay. Pretty good. That's not into anything yeah. that's going to take you 15 years to train. Seriously, <laughs> I'd be like, yes, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like not okay. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Well, uh, Don, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Uh, before before we wrap up here, uh, tell us what you're up to. What What's yeah. new for you? Where can people find you? All that stuff. We want to know. Well, yeah, no. I, so, you know, I think because we're not sure which direction Twitter is going to go. <laughs> next mm-hmm. year. Right. Yes. <laughs> so my my go to has is on TikTok. So, you yeah. know, I think I would love for, for people to find me there. And then as a sort of a side side gig, I've started my own YouTube channel where I'm sort of posting oh, videos good. about that too. So find me on social media at, at Dr. Don Estizon. 
Yeah. And for people who don't know, what what are you uh, talking about on your TikTok and on your YouTube? I'm talking about the humanization of medicine. Very yeah. cool. The yeah. top of stories from cancer land and also the lessons that people who've been through cancer have taught me to get me through the day. That is, awesome. Yeah. It's a great thing. We need more people like you. Great so interest up, to people. Yeah. Keep up the wonderful work. And um, again, we really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. And it was, this was so great to be here. Good luck and continued success to you both. Thank you. Thank you. You too. All right. Take we will care. be right back to read your medical story. So stick around. And we're back. So let's take a look at some of our uh, favorite medical stories that were sent in by all of you, by the listeners. Uh, so we got a couple of good ones today. So um, we have a story from Rose B. She says that one of the earlier pad changes I assisted with as a new graduate gen med nurse. Okay, wait, what's a, what is a pad change? For those of us not in medicine. Yeah. So a pad is, it goes underneath the patient on now as an ophthalmologist it's been a while since i've seen yeah. one of these but i i because i have some ideas i remember I I, i'm pretty sure it's it's what goes underneath the patient on the top of the bed so they're okay. they're laying on Got, it like a puppy pad like yeah kind of and then when you're potty training a dog but right but in so or a human in a right. bed so and so basically you know all the nurses will will kind of roll the patient remove the pad change it to a new pad okay so that's kind of what it okay is. got it so um uh one of this nurse um, was on the general medicine floor. It sounds like she was uh, doing an earlier pad change, I guess, in her career, an earlier pad change, and uh, was helping a patient. Um, they rolled him onto his back, undid his pad, and got ready to clean him up. All nice and chatty, friendly, no big deal. Like just just a thing that happens in in uh, nursing care. They rolled uh, him onto his back. Yeah, just to, so they could change the pad. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, um, the pad under his back. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure about I'm the very like, physical about logistics. Pads. You are way too detail oriented <laughs> okay. here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so they rolled him onto his back, undid the pad, got ready to, to clean everything up. And, um, we couldn't find his penis. Oh dear. So I remember us looking at each other like, um, what? We hadn't received any pertinent handover about this. Um, I had only seen about three penises out of work myself. And sure, I'd seen heaps, but not paid attention as a student. Uh, it just wasn't there. He had testicles. It took us about two minutes of panicked glances and smiles. And just, it's all good, my man, before we realized we had managed to roll him and tucked his penis between his testicles and his left leg. And then the story ends with he had a, a very normal-sized penis. Oh, okay. So it's, Acquiring minds. Yes. That, <laughs> it's You know what? When you're like at the beginning of your career, mm. uh, and really any healthcare professional, like there's, you just never know just the strange experiences and the things that you have never seen and 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 learn from. Mm. Like I'm sure that nurse, I'm sure Rose learned from that experience mm. uh, of maybe a different where to find the penis to not tuck and roll, where, where, just right. roll. Just I guess, yeah. I I don't presume to know really any much of anything about nursing care. Oh, I thought you were going to so. say about penises. I know a little bit about those as an owner of one. Um, so thank you, Rose B, for that 
story. All right, we're going to move on to our second fan story. This is from Rusa P. Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to get really bad seasonal flu influenza every year, and every time it took months or longer for me to get better, partially because I refused to skip school and my hobbies for more than a couple days. One time, I coughed so much that I ended up hurting my ribs, and it became difficult for me to even breathe, so I finally agreed to have an appointment with a doctor. The doctor listened to my lungs and prescribed me with asthma, with an asthma inhaler for one month and some other meds as well so that I could recover. Then, just before I left, he remarked, there's something weird about your lungs. I said, okay, and expected him to elaborate, perhaps tell me to go see a specialist or something. He didn't. He simply nodded and told me to have a good day. (laughs) 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 To, To this day, I don't know what he meant by something weird going on with your lungs, but I haven't died yet, so I guess it wasn't anything serious. I, it sounds like that was just his medical diagnosis. What? Something as, weird. I, as, I don't, I'm not sure that's an accepted ICD-9 code. Yeah, how are you going to bill for that? Uh, although you can find a code like sucked into a jet engine. So I'm right. sure there's something there you could code for. But uh, that let that be a lesson to everybody. <laughs> um, feel, def, ask questions. Yeah. Uh, feel free to clarify anything your doctor says. If they say there's something weird with a vital organ in your body, Feel you might free want to ask about it. To ask uh, more probing questions. Yeah, about and also that. for the for the uh, clinicians among you, maybe just stay away from quote something weird. <laughs> just a... generally not great. So, there's something weird with your brain. <laughs> All right, see you later. You know what? How are you doing today? Are you doing okay? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Um, I just wanted to let you know. I have been um, taking a look, and there is something weird with your face. You, you, you've been taking a look? You've been, been, you've been looking at yeah. me? All right. Yeah, I, I regret ever having uh, <laughs> someone teach you how to deliver bad news. Okay. So you can send us your stories at knockknockhigh at human-content.com. We want to hear it. So uh, thank you so much for those two stories from Rose B. and Ruza P. All right. I think that that went great. Yeah. I think I loved uh, having Don on again. You know, oncologists are special to us yes. um, as the with the experiences we've had with cancer. Uh, and um, and so it was enlightening uh, and also a little disappointing that uh, he taught you so well how to mm-hmm. deliver bad news, because mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm going to be getting a lot of bad news over the next few weeks. Oh, um, you can count on it after <laughs> what you've put me through. Sure. Uh, and I do think you won. Oh, I think you, easily. you were more comfortable delivering bad news to me than I was uh, to you. So, um, yeah, but it was, a, it was a great episode. Uh, there are lots of ways uh, for you all to reach us. All right. You can email us, knockknockhigh at human-content.com. You can visit us. We're on all the social media channels, pretty much uh, TikTok, YouTube. Um, it's, uh, uh, where else? Twitter. 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 How could I forget Twitter for now? Uh, and um, uh, you can also hang out with us in our human content podcast family on Instagram and TikTok at human content pods. Thank you to all the great listeners, all of you leaving wonderful feedback and awesome reviews. We really appreciate it. If you subscribe and comment on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube, we might give you a shout out. Right. Yeah. 
Um, we, uh, uh, we're on YouTube as well. Full video episodes up every week on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. You're more of a visual learner. That's right. Yeah. At D Glockenflecken. Why did I not just do Dr. Glockenflecken? I don't know. I don't. Does it bother you? Yes. It probably does. Yeah. D Glockenflecken. You know, I chose that. I did it like, you know, years ago. So I, know. I had no like idea. Why, why even put the D? And, uh, we're also on Patreon. Uh, we have tons of cool perks like bonus episodes or react to medical shows and movies. Come hang out with the Knock Knock High member community. We're active in it. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be. We'll be talking. We'll be uh, you know, responding and things. Uh, uh, also, you can get you get at early ad free episode access, interactive Q and A live streams. We are active. We are there. We are interacting. Uh, on the yeah, come hang out with us. Party. Um, also, early ad-free episode access. That's right. As a as a member of our community, interactive Q and A live stream events, a lot more. We'll see. Mm. We'll see what we end up doing. Yeah, uh, throw some stuff. ideas at us. We uh, might take them. So Patreon.com/slash/Glockenflecken or go to our website at Glockenflecken.com. Uh, thank you all for listening. We are your hosts, Will and Kristen Flannery, also known as the Glockenfleckens. Special thanks to our guest today, Dr. Don Dizon. Wonderful guy. Really enjoyed that. Uh, our executive producers are Will Flannery, Kristen Flannery, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, and Shanti Brooke. Our editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omer Binsvi. To learn about our Knock Knock High program disclaimer and ethics policy, submission verification on licensing terms, and HIPAA release terms. You can go to our website, glockenflecken.com, or reach out to us at knockknockhigh at human-content.com with any questions, concerns, or if you have, like, a fun medical joke. I, I, I like jokes. Apparently, I'm not as funny as I thought I was. And so, uh, Krista has informed me. So, yeah, I mean, you um, tell jokes. So, but... help me out. I need I need new jokes, I guess. Uh, so, send them to us. Knockknockhigh uh, is a human content production.